Welcome to the Plus Minus Podcast. My name is Cam Knight. Alongside me, as always, Jeff Ludwig. Jeff, how you doing tonight? Oh, yeah, I'm pretty good. So it's not just me and Jeff tonight. We actually have a guest once again, Mario Nicolia, live on the show for the first time. Mario, welcome uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming out. Yo, thanks. It's good to be here. We, uh, we have a packed episode. We knew this one was going to be packed regardless. Three games this past week. Four upcoming we're going to discuss prior to uh, next week's episode, but then they really hit us with some headlines today. So we got a lot to cover. We might as well get started right with it in the injury and transaction notes, but Jeff's giving me a face. Is there a, is there something you want to get out of the way here first? Why'd you call him Mario? That's his name. That's not his name. That's his name for the sake of legitimate broadcasts. Not happy about that one. We'll debate that later. Your name is Jeff. That's a different level. That's a different level. That's a that's different level. Anyway, you can continue. We're going to continue report. with the real stuff. Um, yeah, so let's get right into it. Let's start with the injuries, right? Um, Schultz still out. Broussard still out. Sidney Crosby apparently picked up a ding in last night's game. Upper body injury. So we're not sure if he's available tomorrow against Tampa. But not not even the most pressing on a normal day, Sidney Crosby picking up an injury, that'd be a big deal in, in Penguins Twitter. There wasn't a lot of wasn't a lot of chatter about that today because a couple of big things happened. One, morning started a decent headline of Jim Rutherford signing a three year extension, which uh you know, when he first got to Pittsburgh, claiming he was only gonna be here two or three years. So that's a surprise to see him staying on through twenty twenty two. Any initial thoughts of that before we jump into the other piece that hit about thirty minutes later? Well, I mean, how how can you not like that? I mean he's uh you know, two Stanley Cups. Uh you know, certainly some impactful moves within that, so you can't be upset about that move. Yeah, I mean, you can't be surprised that he stays either. With their success, you, you knew he was going to sign an extension. At least in the short term. It'll be interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting when it gets closer towards the end of the Geno Malkin era. But he has essentially... His contract run- ends the same time as Geno's. So maybe they're just like, he's like, all right, not my problem. Possibly. I mean, the one positive is that, like, I don't think a lot of the times... Especially in baseball, you get worried about like player or GMs getting. Here's the baseball mention. You know, it's I, I oh, I've got plenty today if we need it. Um, but you know, you worry about GMs making short-term decisions that kind of hurt the team in the long run. I don't necessarily think Rutherford would do that, even once you get up towards the end of Gina and Malkin, just because I would almost think he would want like a continuation of his regime type of thing. But uh, no, it's like to have him for a couple more years. I think you saw that today. Not to jump too far ahead, but let's jump right into it. So <laughs> he said, "Hey, new deal. Let's make a new deal." And the Penguins make a one-for-one player trade today of uh, Carl Haglin going to the Los Angeles Kings for Tanner Pearson. Penguins also retaining two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of salary in that deal to basically make it a wash cap-wise. Um, the difference being Tanner Pearson has more term on his deal than Carl Haglin. Uh, Anyone want to want to lead us off on thoughts on this one? I mean, Carl Haglin, obviously, you're giving up uh, a speedy guy who, who's a bulldog in both lots, ends of the ice, speed. especially on the defensive end. Um, you know, Tanner Pearson, you're getting a guy who who has won a cup. Um, he's four years younger than Carl Haglin. Maybe a little bit more of a. I'm not even sure I want to consider him a true power forward, but a little bit more of that traditional, um, you know. Kind of the way the old NHL was built versus Haglin, who kind of was a big piece of ushering in the speed that won the Penguins Stanley Cup. So, um, any thoughts on this one? Uh, I mean, I I don't think it's anything huge. I think you know maybe uh, maybe I called this one a little bit. Oh, we're getting a I mean a called it. I said from the beginning that I w- I was not willing to give. Carl Hagelin. This is true. Now I see where you're going. Uh, he, I, I always said like he's he's definitely outside of like like he's not at all in the mix of the the Hornquist, Gensel, Crosby, Malkin, Kessel. I might have thrown Bassard in there too. That mix of like these these are like the the forwards that we need to uh, be playing well for us to compete for a title. Yeah, I said that from the start and. That Haglin was kind of like the throw-in guy of like, oh, I guess he fits on the on Gino's line. It's just like another winger. So I mean, to lose him doesn't kill me. For me, I mean, 
I wasn't happy about it right away. I mean, yeah, Mario was pretty upset. Initial reaction. Yeah, it was. it's an initial reaction. And I can't say that I'm happy about it still. But, you know, I did settle down and I did some did some <laughs> digging into data, which I know Jeff loves. Um, you got to back it with data. But, I mean, my, my initial reaction was basically... You know, over the past couple of years, Hagelin's one oh, of those Hagelin guys. kind of was the representation of that change to the overall team speed. Yeah, he, it was. He, he was a speedy guy, but he was always one of the players who was on a consistent line. Like he found guys that he was good with, whether it was you know Benino and Kessel, Malkin and Kessel. I don't know if it was just him and Kessel with one other, but he kind of always had some consistency to him, and I liked that about it because they started to form some chemistry. And he, you know, he's also a really good two-way player, which I liked about him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. The hit for our hair. It's a hit for the hair. It's a hit for the the Nordic factor of the team. There's a lot of reasons I don't like it, but um, in general, I do like it. I do think, you know, like I said, Tanner Pearson, a younger guy, who over the course of his se- his career and the seasons where he has been at the top of his game, has produced more than Carl Hagelin has. Um, but I, I do think it's just a scenario of two guys that are struggling that hopefully they both get going in a new surrounding. And I think it's interesting because, um, you know, I don't know if it'll suggest a change in play style for the entire Pittsburgh Penguins. But if you look over the course of the past week during these struggles, um, the struggles have extended longer than that. But over the past week, you've brought Garrett Wilson, Zach Aston Reese, and now Tanner Pearson into your lineup, scratching guys like Daniel Sprong and, and shipping out guys like Carl Hagelin. You know, the team speed that won this team two cups, at least in the short term here, it looks like you're almost moving away from that identity. Well, if anything, I feel like I feel like there was a trying to find the next wave again. There was a little well, there was a little bit of a shift in the league that they went after that more like speed mentality after the Penguins obviously did really, really well with it. And, you you know, people aren't just going to be like, oh, I'm really fast. I'm going to go play with the Penguins because they're the, they're the best speed team. Like, I don't think that's necessarily something like we have like a monopoly on all players for that. Oh, um, so you lose some teams this year, beat them at that game. So you lose your competitive advantage there. Um, and when you start to lose your competitive advantage in something, you need to like kind of innovate in new areas. Otherwise you're not going to have a competitive advantage. You know, if the Penguins had just like kind of sat on their laurels of like, Oh yeah, we're the team that's good at playing fast. Like that's not going to last forever. That's going to last for like a season or two max. Um, so, you know, kind of, and we, obviously we do have Malkin and Crosby to fall back upon at all points. So it's not like we'd ever fall to like outside of the playoffs right now, but like to be the best of the best, you got to continue to innovate. So I have no problem with them. Going in a different direction. Yeah, testing some waters with, with other play styles. Yeah. It's definitely interesting because, you know, as more and more teams become, you know, a fast-paced, high-speed sort of play mentality, you see the Penguins starting to struggle in terms of scoring. So, you know, I'm not surprised that the mentality from Rutherford and, and Sullivan is going to be, hey, let's get some, some young guys in here who may be able to score on lines that aren't with Sid or Malkin. Now, I mean, that's assuming that Pearson doesn't slot right in where Haglin was playing with him in Kessel, but, you know, I, yeah, I, think, I don't know. I think there's a strong argument to be had that he gets, he at least gets the trial run with Gino. He's got a, he's got a good track record. I mean, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, he won his first cup in his rookie year entering the Stanley Cup playoffs yeah, for I his mean, NHL debut. So, like, He's seen the big stage, and I think that he kind of deserves an opportunity coming right in off the bat to try to get his scoring going right away with a Malkin or, you know, maybe maybe even a sit. I don't know. Yeah, he's kind of, if you think about it from an L.A. perspective, he's kind of like one of these guys that we've grown an affinity for just because of what they did in their first couple of years, um, proving they could perform in the playoffs right away, like against Gensel or Brian Rust or something. They kind of buy themselves a few years of, regardless like we're talking about a team right now that we're not getting a lot of secondary scoring but you don't attribute it you're not upset not gonna say not upset but you're giving some of those guys a little bit longer of a leash because you trust what they can do and what they've done in the past in bigger scenarios and even though as we've alluded to already the penguins well outside the playoffs at this point um looking in you just trust that this core group of guys is going to get it together um, and Pearson's one of those guys, but a little more 
a few more years removed from those cups, so a little longer um, away from the leash being what it is for us with guys like Gensel and Rush right now. Um, so we'll get back into probably something like where Pearson slots into the lineup or anything like that. Um, but let's let's backtrack a little bit and get into the past week. So um, heading into the week, all all signs were were down. Um, Penn's really struggling, um, and then you have to go into Washington. And what we'll see here as we cover the whole week. Um, feel free to comment on it if you want to in this first one, but we'll obviously get to it. Casey DeSmith picking up all three starts this week, and the first one being in Washington, where the Penguins played a pretty good, strong uh, team game. TJ Oshie was was a note throughout this game. First, Ole gets him with the high stick. Um, he leaves the game on that one. And then the hit from Gino, which there was some debate over how clean that was. I didn't um, think that was that second. bad. I didn't think it was... Uh, game misconduct situation. I thought it was if you minor call, because I do think he... Uh, two minutes for elbowing would be yeah. the... Yeah, and I think it's more of just an... I'm not even calling it a dirty elbow. I'm just saying it's an unfortunate scenario where it's it's quick contact, someone coming across at him, and he's kind of bracing for it, but at the same time initiating a little bit, giving a little bit more back. And with yeah, the height but, difference between him and Oshie, it gets him in the head. But like... I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, like, if you sat there and watched the, the replay, like, repetitively. Yeah. It, and, and maybe you get to the point where you're like, yeah, he, like, intentionally, like, lifts his arm a little bit to kind of, to kind of get him in the face. But, like, I mean, I feel like when you're slowing something down that much, you overreact to the smallest things that, like, the player isn't intentionally doing. So even if you see, like, a movement of adult, I just, like, I don't know. For me, it's just ridiculous to say that he's intentionally trying to drive his elbow into into Oshie's face. Right, and that's not what I'm suggesting. Either. Right, but that was what the penalty was suggesting. I mean, right. so what do you guys think of this? Do you think if that's not Oshi on the receiving end, if it's a fourth liner, third liner who happens to be out there, whoever it may be, is that a game misconduct? I think it is or just is it because it's Penguins Capitals. I think, I think it's the same because of who Malkin is. Malkin on Penguins versus Capitals. I, I just think, think the they're going to be a little bit much. Just like it doesn't matter that Tom Wilson hit Zach Aston Reese. It's it's not Fair. about it's about Fair. the offender, not the yeah offendee. I don't know. I I don't I don't understand. Not that I even that. think. Not that when I, I say that Tom about Malkin, Wilson, I mean instead it, like of Zach a, Aston Reese had hit Sid, I feel like that's an extra couple games. Obviously, that's the extreme because that's the most famous player in the league. But like, yeah. Still, I, I, I feel just like think that it's matters. Like, you know, I I sat there and wondered, like, all right, if this is somebody else on the Capitals, you know, not not Ovechkin, and I even think if you throw Tom Wilson in there, they're going to say like, oh, this is you know definitely purposeful because it's Malkin on Tom Wilson. But any other player on there, I almost feel like maybe this is just a minor. Yeah, that's a fair. I mean, you, there's no way to know, but yeah, I think it's a fair thought. Um, this was also the debut of Zach Aston Reese and Garrett Wilson in the lineup, as we alluded to already as well. I thought they both played a fine game. They did seem to get, it seems like with that more traditional fourth line of those two and Cullen, that barring any unforeseen major changes to the lineup, looks like the settled-in fourth line and is more of a true fourth line when you think um, of the NHL over the past however long. Um, looked like Sullivan was more willing to give that fourth line minutes and roll four lines than with the more of a scoring type of fourth line we ran through the first month or so. Neither of them had a lot of ice time, so, you know, we didn't even get a ton of time to see how they played, but I thought they were fine. I mean, Garrett Wilson had the chance. He had the chance on the mini breakaway to get his first uh, NHL goal. Yeah. But, like, I feel like that line, you said barring on any unforeseen, like, unexpected line changes, which has been, like, the entire story of the year. True. Is it, like, literally no line? Is sticking. Yeah, the one that we thought like, oh, it's settled. Haglin, Malkin, Kessel. Literally, that, one that missing one of those players. We're not. We don't even have that line if we wanted it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so I mean, I don't know. I feel like one of the things I was hoping for at the beginning of the year was consistent lines, and if it, if it at all possible, it is now even less consistent lines than last year. Jeff wanted two um, things at the beginning of this year. He wanted consistent lines and Matt Murray playing sixty-five games. At this point, both of those are looking rough. I don't know if Matt Murray hits 49 again. Um, I mean, not with DeSmith starting three in a row yeah. this past week. I don't think the signs look great for Matt Murray to have 65 games this year. Um, <laughs> uh, and obviously the line has been horrible. 
Um, even even so much as like I can like I can literally only rem- remember one line Mike Sullivan has ever stuck with, and I don't even think he stuck with it. It's just named after a wrestler, so I remember the line. Yeah, I feel like he switches lines that much. Um, I mean, the HBK line was pretty consistent for a while there. That's that was correct. that it was, was a Pramani sandwich named after it, so uh, it was consistent. I know that, did, but like that was only because Shawn Michaels called himself HBK, yeah. and Mark Madden happens to be. It happens to live in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a fair point, and the only other example would be um, Gensel always sticking with Sid, but that we've now the, seen in the past week or two, maybe that's not even a but thing. I would, well, we'll no, see how long we go with with those split up, because he returned the power plays, but he still got Gensel. I was going to give so. Sid and Gensel, but Sid and Gensel even is a situation of like, well, that's only two people on a line. Yeah. So like, I don't know. It's frustrating. Fair. So this Washington game we're discussing, um, like I said, overall pretty strong team game, but the late goal from Oshi of all players involved in this one um, does make it a regulation loss for the Penguins. It was a hard loss to stomach, honestly. It I, was I mean, for me. Like there this was, was just a classic. But when you're just on that long of a losing streak, it's sometimes you, you're losing ones that even you deserve to win. I mean, this was just Holpe was nuts. I mean, he stood on his head. He he won that game for that yeah. team. I, he had forty plus saves. It yeah, was, I think the shot numbers were absurd in this I mean, game in terms of in favor of the Penguin. Incredible performance by Holtby, and I hate saying that about a Washington team, but he played amazing. Yeah. There's so, nothing you can do about it. So speaking of big-time goaltenders, we then head into a matchup of uh, Casey DeSmith and Darcy Kemper. <laughs> I think that's you know an obvious big-time one, and Casey DeSmith comes out with the W here. Um, a 4 nothing shutout, actually, in a, a game where the Penguins, you know, did take the next step, at least for one game. And you thought maybe, you know, the Washington game, you know, they looked good, but still pick up the L. They look really good in Arizona, as you should, regardless of how you're playing, as you should you go and, and, and handle that. You thought maybe they come out of this and, and maybe Wednesday night we're recording one where, okay, the boys have figured it out. Um, this was a game where I thought the Crosby-Russ-Simone line looked really good uh, on Saturday night. And I thought, I thought they played... All right on uh, Tuesday night as well, but not not to the level that they did on Saturday. Um, and another thing about this one, um, we did see some shifts of Crosby with Kessel at five on five, which we haven't seen a lot of, except for when Kessel first joined the team. So I don't know if that's something we'll continue to see or not. Um, but Sullivan was dabbling with that. Uh, I mean, that was something that, like, initially I remember when we got Kessel. It was like a month or so. That, they, well, that was the game plan. Well, that was, that was like the line coming into it. It was like, oh, my God, Sid finally has like a permanent line mate. Yeah. That's um, like elite level because, you know, he obviously had Hosa for whatever it was, like three months, and then Hosa left. Um, but like that short period, it looked really great to see him have like an elite winger. Uh, and, you know, the Kessel thing just didn't work out early on. Uh, and, you know... He has since either spent time on the third line or on the one B line with Malkin. Um, so I would I wouldn't hate that. It's just like I question that like if there's any type of like line commitment yeah. to any of it. So like seeing a specific line is all. I understand it's not this ridiculous, but like it's almost to the point of like oh well they happen to just be the next two guys up to go on the ice type of thing. Right. Where the only real rule is, is like, okay, Malkin and Crosby, you guys aren't, we're going to split you up. Like, it's, I feel like it's literally that ridiculous. Even so much so as Gensel isn't playing with Crosby occasionally now. And also Hornfist has found himself on the third and fourth line. So like, at times, at least yeah. seemingly. So like, w- what are the rules other than seemingly just there like, no yeah, rules. go ahead. No, there's one rule, and it's Malkin and Crosby don't go out at the same time. And I think yeah. that's fine. I mean, as long as you're not moving Kessel on a line without one of those two, I think it's okay. Like, you're going to have two superstars on the ice, and they're going to make things happen. Yeah, I don't I mean, have a strong feeling one way or the other, whether it's Malkin or Crosby. You've got Kessel and another superstar on well, the ice. Well, it does look like at this point, though, they're, they're getting closer to that Kessel on the third line with uh, a Shea and a... Someone on the left. Side. That's where I start to get nervous. Yeah, in my opinion. I yeah, mean, and that's where you could potentially see. And obviously, it's a whole different thing when Derek Broussard comes back. But you could potentially see. That's where I think you see Pearson sliding is either with a Geno trial to start, or right away with Shane and Kessel. I don't know the answer. Or maybe he does get a Sid trial as well, and it's like if we're already not playing, we jump into that. 
if we're already not giving it to Gensel right now on the left side, then what's stopping you from trying Pearson? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, for the past couple of years, I've I've been a fan of putting some of the young, quick guys with with Crosby. You know, I uh, last year I liked when they put Simone with with Crosby. I thought that they complemented each other because Simone's quick. Simone clearly has the mind for it, and the yeah. he makes the little plays. It's just can he create anything on his own? But I agree, he he can handle the back and forth with Sid when set up in the zone. It's yeah. just can he create the chance? Yeah, but I do I do like. Sid and Gensel. I mean, who honestly, who doesn't? Right, right. I mean, they they create scoring chances left and right, and somebody's burying the puck. So, one note we got to go back to um, before we continue these recaps is, I think me and Mario realized this on the way home. The Penguins cannot trade Jake Gensel, right? Because otherwise, we don't get these milkshake factory. Every time he scores a goal, half off milkshakes. That would be very detrimental. It's de- they would definitely have. There's to put good that thing there's no restaurant the that had a deal with Carl Hagelin. Yeah, it'd be part of the valuation of the trade for sure. Yeah, and I think they know that. I think they're just like he's off limit. He's untouchable. We got a milkshake thing going with him. It's huge. I mean, spe- uh, speaking of uh, trades, then I guess what what is the purpose of having Daniel Sprong? If and and I've I've heard him pop up a little bit in trade rumors in the past couple of days. What is the purpose of having Daniel Sprong if you never put him in a kind of a, a top six forward opportunity especially now when you're pretty much throwing anyone in there yeah i mean they were talking about including him in the kessel trade right i mean i thought that that was kind of the rumor for a little while was like oh Hagelin and sprong for someone like when i was reading today it was like let's package him up i mean the he definitely has been the big name in the market when the trade was starting to break on twitter and it was like who's involved all the first tweets from McKenzie and them were all like, I'm, I'm hearing Sprong, isn't it? Like, he was clearly assumed, he's the assumed guy at first. Right. Um, and I don't think necessarily this means he's safe either. I just, I know what you mean, Jeff. I think for him, the best thing is to go somewhere where he can play top six minutes and mess up as much as he wants and just get that experience. He probably will be a very good player in the league. But I feel. Pittsburgh, doesn't seem to want to give that time trial. They did when he first popped on um, with Johnson, but Sullivan clearly hasn't been up for, hey, ride Sid's wing for 15 games, and then we'll reassess. And I understand I'm, I'm, I'm saying this, and you're not necessarily disagreeing with me with that statement, but, like, why not? Why not ride him out? Like, I don't... The Penguins really should not be a Daniel Sprong on the top six forward lines, or sorry, top two forward lines, um, away from missing the playoffs. Yeah. They should not be. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, looking at the situation now, it's easy to go back to the beginning and say, well, if we'd have just had Sprong on the top six this whole time, at least we would have seen that experiment out and still probably be right where we are now. Right. Um, yeah, it's a little too late. And now once again, not disagreeing with you, there's a little more risk to start it now because of where we're at um that if you do that and it goes wrong as well then now we're deep into december or january in a, in a scary spot but i agree that it seems like what he needs and seems something they're not willing to pull the trigger on regardless of when or where i don't know it's tough to see it's tough to see how the situation changes other than a trade is what i'll say it's either you take him off the healthy scratch and continue putting him in situations where you're comfortable with him but isn't where he's meant to succeed um even past that though you're trading him at like not his, i don't want to say his lowest value because his lowest value would be if he got in played with sitter malkin for 40 games and still didn't produce that would be his lowest value yeah. or if he like got injured mm-hmm. but you're definitely selling him if you were to sell him now you're definitely selling him at a very reduced value from what you could have gotten for him and i don't know i feel like if the if the team at all believes in him still as what I think was unanimously our top prospect, unless you wanted to count Matt Murray in that. Like, I think, I think he would have been picked as our top prospect yeah. when he was, I guess, prospect status, if, if that's not still the case now. Um, but yeah, coming off of a leading AHL goal total, like he was, he was like the only real example of an elite level prospect we had. Um, and he really never even gets a shot as a top top six 
skater. Yeah, I think when you watch, I know what you mean. You're not wrong that this definitely isn't his highest. Should, value. But like, but like, what all? What what has he blown? Did did he really go from? Because he hasn't played not a single game this year. Has he played 12 minutes? Not one. So has he really shown that much in practice and the minimal ice time with inferior wingers? It seems like once he makes has one mistake he, a game, he's done for the game. Has he really shown that, like, yeah, he's not a top prospect? Like, I feel like you can give him more of an actual chance type of thing. Yeah. For that level. You know, and it's not even like it's not even like we're running with our two top lines and we like everything says, like, yeah, give him a shot. Except for the fact that like Sullivan's like, nah, he's the guy that's not getting the shot in the top six. Everyone else hop on like the Ferris wheel of like getting your chance in the top six. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree. I think it's kind of things we've said back and forth here, but he needs to just go somewhere where he can play those minutes and to a team where he could do that to a team like uh, I'm not even saying this is a example of a team looking at him or that the trade would make sense, but I'm just going to use like a Detroit, for example. I think a team that needs a resurgence of, of young talent. Yeah. He clearly has it when you watch him play the way he moves the way he shoots the puck, he clearly has the talent. His value isn't so far down. The Penguins could get what they need in their roster for him. So I feel like the Kings would have been a team that you were describing there. The Kings would have been yeah, another I mean, example. The Kings Absolutely. The te- a, a team that's willing to make a move like that maybe, at this point in the season. Maybe the Blackhawks? Yeah. Um, I no, don't, absolutely. I don't necessarily see... I think the Red Wings was a good example. Yeah, that's just such an obvious one. Yeah, I feel um, like the Red Wings, the Blackhawks, and the, thing with like this the Rangers is for the Penguins, are also in need. Yeah, but the, of some... but the Rangers and the Islanders both are currently in playoff positions. Yeah, the thing with the Penguins as well is you have to think about it from the perspective of that's why they could make a deal like this Haglund for Pearson one. They're so up against the cap that moving someone like Sprong that is on an ELC, there's only so much you could get back as well. Um so it Which is would tough. make it tough. It is I, tough when you think about it the way Jeff's saying. We're like, you know what the perfect return for Daniel Sprong would be? Daniel Sprong realizing his potential. You know, so it's tough to like, is the experiment worth it even now? I don't know. It is a really, t- everyone wants this situation to work out. And as of right now, it's just not, is, is really the, the short version. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you still could. I mean, it's early enough in the season to Jeff's point, you know, put him out there for 10 straight games and see what happens. Yeah. Right. I and mean, if it comes he's back, he's not going to be a sole no, loss. There's for, no way that we can put it on just Daniel Sprung. Right. He did not make the playoffs. Right. So, okay, let me put it this way and then I'll drop it. I'll drop this rant. I'm fine with it. In Is there a baseball reference coming? There is not. I've already had to intentionally stop myself three or four times. The Cy Young was announced today. I'm trying hard not to mention anything about it. Um, but, so I won't, I'll get off this rant after this, but in a couple sentences or less. It's like a test. It's like a test. What is the purpose of flipping lines so much? Trying to find chemistry. Trying to find chemistry? Is that a good answer? Yeah. Okay. No, Trying to that. find chemistry. How? So like chemistry is like, oh yeah, you, you know, we work well together and you're, and you, you know, you reap the benefits of that chemistry down the line. Like, yeah, we found we found a great line working together for yeah. Sid and Malkin. We never stick with the lines, though. Yeah. So what is the point of trying to find the chemistry if you never reap the benefits of finding the chemistry? Agreed. I mean, so I don't, no... I don't think any signs have pointed to that they found chemistry but yet. I, I think, year, to so. one point, Hagler, Malkin, Kessel for through like 10 games did nothing wrong were phenomenal together. And as we've already alluded to, we don't even have one of them anymore. We don't have a hack. Like, anymore. if they struggle for a game, all of a sudden it's like that line's now free to be thrown into the jumble as well. I know what Jeff's saying. It's just like... Because like I feel like literally the only answer is trying to find chemistry. Or some, you know, synonymous statement to that. Yeah, it's kind of but a... Like, Theoretical question. Like you mentioned earlier, the only person we've ever like, oh yeah, that was good chemistry when you kept them together, was Sid and Gensel. Yeah, and even that now is fair game to be... Yeah, which like, I'm not even saying you can't after, so that's been like, what, a year and a half, let's just round and call it around that. A year and a half of those two have been together on the same line-ish. Um, 
Is that literally all you've ever found? Is that Sid works well with Gensel? Because even if you were to go back and like look at like you know like the timing of lines and like who's been with who the most, I feel like there is not a consistent other than Sid and Gensel. That's literally yeah. The other one's Doom and Latang, which is also now split up. And it's just like we're bringing the defense in nearly. What is the point of flipping these lines? It's a lot. It's just frustrating. Yeah, and And, and to be fair, me and Jeff are almost polar opposites on this in theory. In that, like, I'm very comfortable with. Switching, swapping two wingers between a line or, yeah. or especially early in the season, like switching things around. I agree at this point that it's gone to the extreme where like every morning skate, I'm legitimately looking through the notes of like who skated with who because it is different almost on a daily basis. I mean, I think it's hard because you haven't had a ton of success yet this year. To be like, we need to we need to keep these people together. Yeah, you know, like I understand the mindset of like. But you did a little bit in Western Canada, and we're quick to get away from it after one or two games of struggles. It's true, that's true. It's just like what? What is the purpose? Yeah. I really don't understand it. Yeah. So, um, to pick back up with the one remaining game that the Penguins did have in this past week, before we jump into some of the previews and some other topics, we do have uh, the New Jersey Devils again. Um, and this, you know, we could get into it or we could just say the Penguins lose to the Devils again. Devils have two wins in their last eight. Both of those are against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, I mean, they, they fought hard. They played a good game. And, Devils uh, played a good game. Taylor Hall played a good game. It doesn't help that you gave up a goal in you know, the first, like, 30 Once seconds. Said, Once again, we said Casey DeSmith was in net again for this one. The first goal was really rough. That's The first point. one, um, it seems like DeSmith has all at least – like watching it from every angle, it seems like Smith has all the time in the world to cover that puck. Something happens there I think where he, he actually can't... thought he had it. Yeah, he looks like he thought he had it. Something happens there where it gets away from him. Then the rest of the goals really weren't. I mean, Taylor Hall on a breakaway, like it's it is what it is. Um, yeah, but the Chris Taylor Tang is on the on ice the for all these goals. Not to like try and jump on Crystal Tang already because um, he has been having a really good year. Yeah. I'm well aware he was on for all of them. Consistency, but yeah, Chris Letang's on for all of these goals. Um, Peak Letang. The Taylor Hall pinch, especially where Letang pinches on the left side, his offside, and then both, I want to say Dumlin was on with him for some reason at that point. Both Dumlin and Kessel play the guy up the wall, which yeah. allows him to slide it over to Hall for the breakaway. Right. That was the one that really, that really. Not specifically Letang's fault because there's two guys behind him. Not right. specifically Kessel or Dumoulin's, because I don't know whose responsibility it is to cover who there. There's just an overall communication breakdown somewhere in that yeah, play. Some, something went wrong, and that was the one that really made me mad. You know, And that's what I was going to go to right away. Was, and that's the game-winning goal right you there. Can't, that's their best player. Yeah, You can't leave your, their best player right in the middle for a breakaway, you know, one-on-one with the goalie. He's going to bury it. You know, And I, I, I was quick to say, you know, Dumoulin, what the heck? Because he was the one who was last back, right? And and then you see him chasing at the end and trying to dive out and, you know, try to make the Superman play. But he couldn't because, yeah. you know, it was too far gone at that point. That was the one that really made me mad, other than, obviously, the first 30 seconds of the game. Yeah. So, let's get into, before we get into some of these previews of this week's game, I think, clearly some, some additional frustrations coming from this past week's games and you know, when we were planning out this episode, we had a couple of big topics, one of them being potential trade discussion. Yeah. Obviously, that's a little bit um, between just the trade actually going down for Haglin, as well as some of the things we've already talked about with Sprong. Not sure that makes sense to get into too deeply here. Um, I don't know. Mario, I know you were doing a little bit of prep and you're coming on the show. I don't know if you had anything you really felt strongly about bringing up outside of Haglin and Sprong. Um, no, I mean... I mean, there's there's trade rumors all the time, and everybody's got opinions about trades. I mean, you guys have been talking about it since the beginning, like who 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 might go, yeah, right. And before today, I would have I wouldn't have put Haglin on a list of like I had a list of four, and Haglin was on it. He was on it. Yeah. See, I had a short list. Mine was just two. Yeah. In, in my opinion, you you could move you could move Mata, right? Because you've got a D man situation that you're working through right now, and I think Mata of all of them would be your highest value return yeah. with your least, you know, loss value. But then you've got cap space issues. So I don't even know what what you get out of it unless it's some picks or something. I yeah. 
Um, but I mean, you know, the ha- Haglund trade makes sense on paper. I think it's fine for the Pens and you know Pearson. We'll hopefully, one comes for in one, and uh, works for both sides. Get some goals. Yeah. Um, but the other topic we did want to get into is the Smith and Murray. So obviously, like we said, the Smith given three straight starts here. Um, and Matt Murray, you wonder what his thoughts on the subject are, considering it's not injury related for him right now. There's a certain extent of your coach is going to ride the hot hand, and and that is what it is. And sometimes maybe you'll sit a game or two in a row. Um, he did elect to not speak to the media on I want to say Monday, which is not a common move for him. He's usually, even though he's not a man of many words, he's usually cool to to chat. Um, so you wonder what's what his mindset is. The one game we talked about, we thought he would start earlier in the season that he seemed fine for, didn't get to start with Vancouver. The next game he came out and shut out the Maple Leafs. Um, so we don't know if he's going tomorrow night against the Tampa Bay Lightning, which we'll get into, but um, that's another team where it's, okay, high-powered team. Is this where you throw Matt Murray back out there? What are your thoughts in general on the Murray to Smith situation? I think everyone's still in agreement that Matt Murray is obviously your your starting goalie. That's not really a question at this point. Yeah. But it's how much of the split are we really going to see this year? Or, do you, or do you think that is point? like at all? Like, I feel like that counts though, from the standpoint of like the fact that you had to say that everyone still realizes that is. I I feel like it's something that says like, all right, we're not at the point where we're where we're questioning if he's a legitimate goaltender, but I feel like that's almost like the gateway to I that think, question coming up down the line. And we are, you know, whatever it is, like, you know, eight starts for, for, yeah, less than 20 games, 17, I think exactly. Games into the season, 17 games into the season. And I feel like when you ask that, when you have to point that out, it's, it's the start of that. From you know? the perspective of, Everyone in Pittsburgh would agree you don't see a world with Casey DeSmith as your starting goaltender. So you really hope Matt Murray gets it figured out, or the team gets it figured out with Matt I don't, Murray. I don't think him. that, but I think Tristan Jari comes into the conversation. Yeah. I'm not saying he should, but, no, I'm, but I, don't I, think think, I don't think people would say, oh, yeah, we need to go with Tristan, or sorry, with Casey DeSmith. I think it's much more so that people are like, all right, maybe we bring up Tristan Jari. And, yeah. No, I think that's a very valid and, question. And he becomes... That you wonder if we'll get to a point in this season. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I kind of think that what they're doing with DeSmith is is what you'd like them to do with Strong, right? They're, they're testing the waters. They're throwing them out there against teams that they, they think they should be beating. They're they're yeah. losing to them, but it's not the, really DeSmith's the, the fault. The piece that seems different is DeSmith is at least putting up the numbers. Right. It's tough to throw... Dan- and I agree, they need to throw Daniel Sprong in a top six role, but it's tough to argue that he's earned it when he played however many games in the bottom six without getting a single goal. Right. I'm I'm just saying from the standpoint of testing the waters, get your young young guy out your you know young guy out there, give him reps. Yeah. Right. Get him in games. Let's see how he does. Yeah. Matt Murray's proven himself. Right. Guy's got two cups. He knows what he's doing. He's your starting goaltender for sure. Yeah. Dismiss out there just getting games in. Let's see how he does. I mean, he's coming he up with can take some of that workload. Yeah, thirty nine, forty saves. I mean, that's that's what you want out of a starter. And now you've got that in a, in a backup, and you're confident in it, right? So yeah, I mean, I don't know the numbers after the New Jersey game, but I know prior to that, I want to say his goals against was under two. You know, he was he was putting up numbers that if you didn't know what name it was associated with, you're like, yeah, this guy's a starter in the league. So I feel like he has a lot of. I, I I keep saying these things that like are so not like trackable with stats, which drives me nuts that I'm the one that bring him up. I feel like he ends up at his ass way too often. Oh yeah, he and has it's like, all what is the, going on? He has with all like, the hallmarks of living and dying by the athletic goaltender. Where he's kind of he's flurry like. He's very flurry like, um, but he's not flurry. I mean, flurry uh, also like, fully agreed. Like not. I remember the stories from I want to say it was Brent Johnson who was like. Uh, might have been Ty Conklin, but they would do a drill in the butterfly and they'd start on the goalie line. They'd have to go like all the way down to the other end of the ice, just like essentially shuffling across the ice. I think it was Brent Johnson and Johnson said he would get to mid ice, look up and flurry had just finished. Yeah. He was literally twice as fast in the butterfly as Brent Johnson. Yeah. Um, you know, not a guy that's like known for being especially like quick as a netminder, but like he's twice as fast as another NHL goalie. Yeah. 
So I, saying the I, same playstyle. Maybe play the same playstyle. Yeah. In the sense that, like, that second save sometimes, like you said, he's, like, he's going to very quickly get into position to make that first one. But versus a Matt Murray who's just, like, square to everything. Right. So DeSmith um, is 2.04 goals against. Oh, okay. And what, 930 or something? Yeah. 38. I mean, yeah. That's why you've been, that's why you've seen him get three straight starts. It just it is what it is. And that's why you wonder how this will uh, continue. And like we said, we wonder how it'll continue into a game against Tampa on Thursday. So, well, I mean, because I know we're going to get into Tampa before I forget about this. Go for it. I mean, you know, the downside to Casey to Smith, though. And really, for Matt Murray for, for that. You know who scored? Tristan Jari scored. Tristan Jari did score the first goal in Wilkes-Barre's Grant in history for a goalie today. Uh, Today's game. Yeah. Uh, You know Flurry's proud. (laughs) I feel like Flurry's come so close, he's not proud. As nice of a guy is and as good of a teammate everyone says he is, he's like that little son of a bitch. Like, I can't believe he scored and I haven't. Yeah. Um, But yeah, yeah. up 3-1 with 90 seconds to go. He sends it across the ice and scores. Yeah, that is true. That did occur. That's good work. That's good work. Um, let's transition back. Let's transition back. Okay, let's do it. Um, so we don't know who's going to start against Tampa, but hey, what better way to get this team out of a little bit of a, you know, funk than play the best team in the East? Let's do yes. it. Let's I think you on. throw Murray right out there. You know, Hedman's back. The Lightning are, are at full force. I think I agree. It feels like one Murray's going to start. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tampa, they got all the big guns. They got Stamkos, they got Kucherov, they got Braden Point. Um, Yanni Gord just signed a big contract by his standards. Um, playing well, too. Type of contract that makes you wonder what Gensel's going to get next year, but that's a separate conversation. Um, but yeah, they're playing well, and that, that was with Hedman just coming back within the past week. So we'll see uh, if the Pens can. They seem like a team that at least early in the season, you know, we talked about the way they've played the Capitals, um, Toronto when, when they went there. Um, Vegas early in the season when Vegas was still team just coming fresh off a cup, they seemed to to elevate the their play for the big game. So, um, what do you think? I think this is a battle. I, I mean, I think this is going to be high scoring, in my opinion. Uh, you got you got two high powered offenses here, and yeah. you know if if Murray starts, his numbers aren't aren't great right now. So, I think you could see quite a few kind of find their way into the back of the net, but I think the Pens are going to find a bunch here too. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's it's intimidating to go against those lines. Yeah. Stamkos, Kucherov, and Miller, and then the Gord, Point, and Tyler Johnson line. Yeah, uh, that was, uh, quite a top six. Tampa Bay's been really interesting this year because they, they've lost some games that really make you wonder. Like, you know, I think they lost pretty handily to Arizona in the past week or two. I think. And then they just lost to Buffalo, who... The Buffalo we'll one, is that Buffalo, one they let slip? I want to say Tampa was up in the loss. third in that one. Yeah, that was a 2-1 loss. I still feel like that kind of goes back to what we've said earlier in the season about with the Penguins. When you when you you have a a team wanting to come up and play one of like the well-known elite teams in the league, whether it be the Capitals, the Lightning, and the Penguins, they maybe bring a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Whereas when you, you know, and, and less so right now for the Penguins because the Penguins are losing to everyone. Um, yeah, but you but, thought you were going to have that kind of fly under the radar feel a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't necessarily horribly blame them for those rough losses. Yeah. Um, let's keep it moving, though, um, because we do have four games to cover here coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one after that, Ottawa, which is a team that started the year a little hotter than everyone expected, had some bright spots. Thomas Shabbat has been, you know, about as close as you could have dreamed of replacing Eric Carlson as fast as they could have. Um, obviously, not Eric Carlson, but he's, he's been having a great year. Maxime Lajoie has also been having a great year there as a defenseman that you didn't necessarily see. The pieces they got back from the Carlson trade, uh, and Tierney and DeMello have been solid for them. Uh, they have Brady Kachuk back now, who started really hot and then had the injury to slow him down. But as a team, they've been starting to regress back to where you thought they'd be. I think they're now in the bottom five in the league. Um, obviously, we last week quickly touched on their Ubergate uh, situation. I don't know if either of you have any additional comments on that, but it was what it was. 
Um, and hey, they're two couple and guys two have since bright then. spots. Ryan Zingle. Um, so he's got nine goals. Yeah, he's, he's having good. himself a year. He's, he's getting some. He's getting pucks in the net. He's having himself a year yeah. might be a pretty good player. Um, but this is one you got to think, kind of just like last week, Arizona. This is one you have to think, no matter what's going on. The Penguins have to find a way to win this one. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think this is going to come down to who plays a net for Ottawa. I mean, I would think it's. Uh, I mean, you got to think they're going to throw Anderson out there. Against yeah, because the it's not it's not a back to back for them. They have a they have a break on Friday and Sunday, so I would think that it's going to be Anderson. Anderson has started like all but like two of their games thus far, so I would think it's him. Yeah. I don't know. It's a. It's still November, so I'm not going to overreact and say it's a must win for us, but. Um, you know, you see Ottawa on the schedule. It's, it's certainly you'd like to win. Yeah. Another one you'd like to win, but might not be as easy as you thought going into the year. Buffalo Sabres oh, yeah. after that. We've got Mario on because he's uh, a longtime Buffalo fan, but also a Penguins fan, so he's very well versed in both these teams. You look at the Buffalo Sabres, and they're a team that's been trying to um, get things, trying to right the ship over for, for a few years now. and. Starting to look like they might be doing that. You know, Eichel continues to improve and, and be a good player in this league. Yeah. Brought in Jeff Skinner, who's been having a great year, kind of doing exactly what you would have hoped. They have some young talent. Probably and some. <laughs> Guys like Casey Middlestad, who haven't gotten it going exactly yet the way you'd like, but um, you know the talent's there. You know the talent's there with both of the Razmai on the blue line. Um, Vic, you want to you wanna give us a little bit of a lowdown other than that on the Buffalo Sabres? Yeah, let me, let me hit you with... Some Saber stats real Saber quick. Stats. Oh boy. Currently, Saber metrics, you might say. Currently. Boom, baseball for you, Jeff. I did it. <laughs> See, now we're all having fun. Go ahead. <laughs> currently fourth in the Atlantic, which is a tough division. Yeah, Buffalo Sabres are a playoff team right now. Yeah. First in the wild card, right? And eighth in the league at 10, 6, and 2. And I think I saw today that the last, last year – it took them 38 games to get 10 wins. So this is a hot team compared to this recent This is absolutely past. an improvement, yeah. Um, and I just, look, this is, a, this is a young team looking for some success off of a few bad years. And I think that they're, they've got a hot hand right now in Jeff Skinner. Eichel finally has some guys around him who are getting points. Um, they're playing well. Yeah. And on top of that, you're actually getting some pretty impressive performances out of both of their goalies in Carter Hutton and uh, Olmark. And, you know, I, I think this is going to be a battle, too. I know I said that about Tampa Bay. I, but I, I agree on this one. I think this is going to be a battle because you've Connor got... Connor Sherry. Connor Sherry you got to think he scores back. a goal, right? I mean, he's he's third in goals for Buffalo right yeah. now. He's got six. Um, But, yeah, I, I think... Penguins have Think the about that, Paul Jeff, for a minute. Think of the secondary scoring we've been talking about for a few weeks for the Pittsburgh Penguins right now, and Connor Sherry has six goals on the year. Yeah. That one stings you a little bit. I mean, you're <laughs> glad for him. That one stings a little bit. Yeah. It's frustrating. Yeah. I have a, I have a question for Mario. Yeah. That I, I, I want to ask you this question because I feel like I know, I know Cam's answer and your biased answer, I think, is going to is going to give me an answer of whether or not it's a fair question or not. Would you rather have Connor McDavid at $13 million a year on your team or Jack Eichel at $10 million a year on your team? Which is what they both earn. I mean, Jack Eichel of this season at $10 million, Right now for the, next, for the next uh, five years, which both of them are under contract for longer than five years from now. But for the next five years, would you, if you had to pick one, would you pick Jack Eichel at $10 million a year or Connor McDavid at thirteen million a year. Obviously, everyone would pick Connor McDavid regularly. However, with three million additional of cap space, yeah, would you take that Jack Eichel downgrade? Yeah, you can call me biased, but yeah, I would. I would because you know you're going to take that three million. You're going to go get somebody who's going to be right alongside him. Maybe a Jeff Skinner. Who, <laughs> you're going to pay Jeff Skinner. <laughs> who you know you're just going to you're going to get some production out of both guys. So. You know, look, McDavid's incredible. I watched him play when he played for the Otters. I, I watched him break his hand off the boards from punching it. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I, I watched him play. He's, this guy's a pro scout. He's, he's, he's an incredible player. But 
perhaps it's the Buffalo bias. I'm taking Eichel for, for three million less. I actually am closer to agreeing with you once he said it's only over the next five years. But I still would pick McDavid. So you think it's a... Because the longer that goes, the more McDavid's contract is fine. But right now it hurts in the early years. It hurts when paired with dry cycles. I should clarify. Well, th- this when is paired a- with dry cycles for the production you're getting from dry cycle is why the is why that situation hurts so much up there. I mean, yeah. here, Jeff, let me fire back at you real quick. Where's Edmonton in the standings? Max. Yeah, but how many times is the, have the Sabers made the playoffs? With? Well, that's another. Si- but you, you look at what Eichel else they're paying. Right they're paying Milan Lucic. Yeah. To do nothing as Eichel well. of right now, I'm going to take. He's he's got 19. I think all this clarifies is that the games. Buffalo Sabers are in a more healthy situation as an organization than the Edmonton Oilers. Okay, well, I'll, I'll play. Two teams that have been trying to get back for a while. Right. Buffalo seems to be doing a better job. I right mean, both both right. Edmonton was great right off the bat. McDavid was scoring. He had tons of points his rookie year, right? And they were the same draft class. I'm, I'm 99% sure. They were they were one, too. Right. So Because you saw the jerseys of Mick Eichel that sure. Sabres fans were wearing. So McDavid got off to a hot start. Edmonton kind of rode that for a while. But now they've got his big contract. They've got Dreisaitl. And they're not finding the success as a team yeah. that Buffalo is. No. So yeah, I'm definitely gonna take Eichel at ten million and I'm gonna try to have more team success. It doesn't really matter if McDavid, you know, score has the most points or goals or assists, whatever, in the league if your team's not winning. Yeah, you saw that last year. Sure. I think I mean I I would disagree. I, it, it's ironic the only person on the Sabres uh salary cap this year. Uh, that they have for $3 million is Connor Sherry. So it's kind of Connor Sherry and Jack Eichel versus... Well, that's if you're trying to look at it as a whole player instead of an incremental. Ex- exactly, which is a very fair... It was a uh, very fair criticism, but it was yeah. an ironic uh, ironic situation to see. But uh, no, I mean, I don't think it's far off. I would still think it's an easy decision to take McDavid. But, uh, you know... I, I mean, I if you're asking me what I have picked McDavid... When no, it came because, around, because then, at, yeah, I mean, if everyone they had picked the opportunity McDavid, to, you would have picked and McDavid. everyone would take McDavid on a on an even salary. I'm just saying, knowing that you have an additional three million dollars in general work that question? they would pick Connor McDavid on their team. Son, I'm sorry, we need a cup. <laughs> we need a left-handed shot. I'm sorry. Um, okay, let's get into one last game. Unless you have any last before we get into picks for the week, that is Mario. Any last Sabres thoughts? We don't want to cut you short. You've got pages of notes. No. He's done more prep. I want to clarify real quick. This guy's done more prep work for this show than any guest we've ever had, and I greatly appreciate it. No, I mean. He was showing me. He's He literally took, for almost letting him say zero words about them, he had <laughs> breakdown thoughts of every goal scored against the Penguins this week, this past week. He was ready to go. I did. If we didn't have so much Pearson talk, man, this guy would have been let loose. I mean, to be fair, some of my bullets were like Crosby, great at hockey, but <laughs> he, yeah, he showed me. He's like Crosby, backhand goal. Wow, it's <laughs> like, yep, that's just what everyone. You should tweet on my behalf. I like what you're doing here. Those are the keeper one-liners that you just need to have. Yeah, no, um, I, think, I think that's good. Okay, yeah. so let's get into that game. Then. So we are going four games this week because we have Dallas next Wednesday. Um, so we will be recording Thursday morning, Thanksgiving. You'll get a, a fresh Thanksgiving epi from us. Um, but Dallas hot out of the oven. Yeah. And, and that's a relevant day because, you know, Dallas Cowboys are always playing on Thanksgiving. Well, we're coming right fresh off the Dallas stars. Jamie Ben, who went, went for another big tilt. Jeff talked about loving to see this guy fight. He, he went and did it again against Josh Anderson and they got a little, I, I missed was that little, fight. Was it good? Oh, it was a, it was haymakers left and right. It was, uh, there was a little bit of showmanship before the fight even went down. You saw it, right, Mario? I saw it. I saw he, it. He, he pulled, he makes Anderson come over right in front of the stars bench. There was a lot going on there. Jamie Ben's ready to scrap with whoever wants him, which is funny when you think on this team, the only guy that would probably go is Jamie Alexiak, who's probably not going to fight his former teammate. So I don't think we're going to see a fight with Jamie Ben in this game, but. Um, that's just, awesome. He just drags him over over the bench. He's yeah. like, "Oh no, we're yeah." He's f- like, "We're doing this right in front of my boys." <laughs> um, but yeah, Ben Sagan Radulov is a line that um, I know they've, they've experimented with splitting it up this year. So I don't know if going into this game they're playing that. But 
this is one of those teams that have one of those big lines that if that line's going that night, you don't don't like your chances. But if that line's quiet, you probably win the game. Um, I don't, John Klingberg's a big guy for them. He's out right now, so Miro Heskinen in an elevated role, which I love to see. Yeah. You know, I'm a big fan of of Miro. Um, and then uh, they've had some a pleasant surprise in their backup goaltender Anton Kudobin. I think has been having a pretty good year, and they've been. Kind of in a similar situation, giving him some starts, even though the starter isn't hurt. So, yeah, um, a good team that wants to kind of just like Buffalo in the East, they're in a wild card spot right now in the West, and then trying to keep it going in a really tough division. Um, any thoughts on the Dallas Stars? Not a ton. I mean, Klingberg's big loss for them. You know, definitely huge he loss for them. Thirteen points. He's got he's got five goals, eight assists. I mean, this is a guy who's really producing for them. Um, kind of setting up those opportunities. So it'll be interesting to it's see. It's when you lose that big D-man because that's just so many minutes to now spread amongst the rest of the guys. Yeah, I mean, he. I think he was averaging, you know, at least four minutes more than any other defender yeah. per game. And, you know, it doesn't sound like a lot, you know, split it up two and two between somebody else. But when you're only getting 19 minutes and now all of a sudden you're out for 21, 22 minutes, it, yeah. it, I mean, it's, it's quite a change for, you know, especially for some of the younger defensemen. So definitely... Curious to see how they play that out. Are you watching the fight right now, Jeff? I already watched the fight, first yeah. of all. You liked what you saw. I liked what I saw. Um, <laughs> you want Jamie Ben. You're like, can we trade Sprong for Ben one for one? <laughs> one that'd be a great deal. Um, I don't know how you make that cap work. <laughs> as many Jake shakes as he wants. I mean, it's got to be Lindo, I guess, with, I guess with Honka now, with Klingberg being gone. Um, so, I mean, that's going to be a big time. I mean, that's... So Julius Honka is is most likely going to step up into that spot, and I would th- he was at 13 minutes average time on attack or sorry average time on ice. Um, I hope not. As of now, average time on ice now. I would think that probably finds its way into the 20 range, um, playing as the top D man or on the top D line. But no, I mean you know I've been a. a, a you know, driving the bandwagon, I, I think, of the stars. Um, the stars are the team form of your player form, Jonathan Drewen Love. Oh, 100%. The stars yeah. are the team form. 100%. Encapsulation 100%. Of Jeff's support for a team every year, regardless of how it goes. You just <laughs> like, go into guys, every year like this is the year. year. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a situation where, like, um, I thought they had a really good structure. Um, just because of the, the the Sagan, Ben, Radulov, Spezza combination, I was like, all right, well, there's four just legit yeah. forwards that can carry a team on their own, and you can kind of mix and match elsewhere. And I thought they were in really good shape. Then they added Ben Bishop, who kind of uh, the, the what season would that be? Uh, two years ago, season. Um, they like Ben Bishop looked really good, and then he had the leg injury in the playoffs, which took him out of action. But like, then they add uh, Bishop, and I'm like, oh my god, this team's gonna be great. This team's gonna run through the Western Conference. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm still waiting for that to actually happen. I mean, it's um, a tough at all. Um, yeah. The one additional piece, um, the coach Jim Montgomery. I, I rarely reference other podcasts on here, and we try not to steal their topics and, and talking points, but. Uh, there was an episode of 31 Thoughts where Spezza was on, and he was talking about how much the guys love this guy as a coach, um, how good of a teacher he is, and how good he is to interact with them. Um, it just seems like this is a guy that the players really like, and um, so it's nice to see that they got that. That's good for the stars. It's good for the stars. We like that for them. <laughs> we like that for them. Um, yeah, I mean... It'll be interesting. Uh, you know, loading up that top line is, uh, it's a risky play. Um, you yeah, know, but not, when you got Honka getting the time on attack, he's getting. <laughs> I mean, Honka, Honka is literally going to go from 13 minutes time on ice to probably like low 20s. Um, which it's, you know, going from Klingberg to Honka is going to be a decent drop and ability level for them so yeah. you know it's gonna be really interesting to see how much that hurts them um 
you know, a topic you and I talk about in general is like, who is this team's worst person possible to lose? Not necessarily who is every team's best player. Yeah, who's that weak point? Who is the, who's the weak point where like, oh, you really can't lose this guy? Because and we talk about it with the Penguins potentially being Chris Letang. Sure. In the current state, because with Schultz out, we saw it for one game. You lose that right-handed defenseman in Letang, who already is kind of your Klingberg in terms of eating minutes. Yeah. And it's like a double whammy for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. And especially with the star situation with, you know, Kadobin's having a really good year. Kadobin's having a good year in the sense that St. Thieves' save percentage is like 930 or something. But last year, he had a pretty good year in whatever it was, like 35 games for the Bruins. Um, you know, he had like a 915, 920, I think it was 915, 915 save percentage. Yeah. So, like, Kadobin, even, you know, going from, from Bishop to Kadobin is obviously a disappointment, but like, you know, okay. Um, Klingberg, I genuinely think, is more of a loss to them than, you know, Ben Radulov or Sagan would be. Um, I could be wrong. I guess we'll find out now. I'm but, not, uh, not going to get into a hot debate here, but I think Sagan's their weak point for sure. You think if they lose Sagan? I think if they lose Sagan, you get, you see production from both Radulov and Ben go down. You obviously lose out on the scoring and ability but, from Sagan. Like, Sagan... I feel like down the middle, they still, like, Ben, I would think Ben would move over to center on that top line. It would be Ben Radulov and, I don't know, maybe, like, Devin Shore on the top line, which is still formidable. Um, Spezza is still, you know, he's not Malkin on a second line as a center, but, like, Spezza still holds it. Like, you literally have Julius Honka stepping up to play 21 minutes a game for the Stars now. Can we focus on Honka for a minute, Mario? (laughs) Come on. More respect for Honka, my bad. <laughs> I don't know, I could be wrong. Um, any it's definitely so a big hurt. So let's talk stars. picks. We got Who four let games. me talk stars. We've got four games. You got lightning, senators, sabres, stars. Let's go around the horn real quick. Um Mario as the guest, you want to lead us off with your you don't even necessarily have to go by game, maybe just the total points. Uh yeah. If I mean, you want to go by game, however you want to go. I think uh I think I've got the pens going two and two. Two and two. Yep. So four points. No four points. OT points. I don't think okay. any OTs here. All right. Um, three of these four games are at home. So that was definitely a factor for me. Okay. Um, I think they get a win against Tampa Bay. Okay. I think like maybe a 5-3 or something like that. very penguin so far. Yeah. Uh, I think, I hate to say it, but I think you might get a loss. I'm gonna say you get a loss against Ottawa. This is very penguin so far. <laughs> My, I, it, it might be very. Penguin. Well, I have a feeling how he's gonna make the Sabers game go. <laughs> I I think it's gonna be a tight one. Uh, Pens and Sabers. If any of them go overtime, I think it'll be this one. But I'm gonna say that Buffalo best gets the best of Penguins yeah. of Pittsburgh here. Nine to one. Uh, no, I I think four three here. Four three. Okay. I think it's a Connor one goal Sherry, game. Uh, Connor Sherry <laughs> game winner. Thirty seconds left. No. Oh, I think this is a one goal game. Uh, that Buffalo takes home. By the skin of their teeth. Yeah. See what I did I like there? that. See what I did um, there, And then I think... Jeff I, Skinner. I see what I did again? <laughs> see how I forced the name Jeff in? All right, keep it rolling. Uh, I th- and then I think you pick up your second win against Dallas at home. So Dallas and Tampa Bay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think, no, I think it's been obvious that Pittsburgh kind of elevates their game when it's yeah when it's another elite team. Yeah, and I don't see that. There's changing no one better any. for them to lose to than traditional non-playoff teams from the Atlantic Division. <laughs> what do you think of the Pittsburgh? <laughs> um, I'm gonna go the so I previously had said that the the Penguins were gonna go on a little bit of an undefeated streak. Yeah, and it bit me in the ass. I'm I gonna go in the opposite direction. Yeah, I remember that. To be fair, the week prior he went perfect. I did. So um, he was riding high. But I went perfect, including calling an OT win. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say, um, or sorry, including an OT win, I think, and a loss to the Islanders, something like that. I want to give myself credit. To reflect on the Anyways, one. <laughs> um, we won't talk about all three you got wrong last time. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna say one and three. Do you I'm, have a thought process on uh, who the win is? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna say in Ottawa, it's gonna be the win. Um, I think, uh, I think we play it well against, uh, uh, against Tampa. We get the loss there in regulation. Okay. Uh, we get a regulation win over Ottawa, and then two close losses to Buffalo and Dallas. Mm, okay. Interesting. I'm uh, I'm going three and one 
with the lone loss being... Um, Spoiler alert, Ottawa. No, Tampa Bay. I think Tampa's the loss. I think Matt Murray does start this game. I think he plays fine, but I think the Penguins still lose. Um, and then I think this has been a streaky team, and I think they uh, they start to rattle off a few here against some Atlantic teams and then, and then get the one against Dallas as well. Uh, one last prediction for this upcoming week. So four games. Thanksgiving will be delicious. There we go. Each game, there's at least one day in between, and including yeah. after Wednesday's game, they have another day in between uh, Wednesday's game and the Bruins game on Friday. Over or under two and a half starts for Matt Murray over the next four games. I'm going over. I'll probably say over. I'm going to say under. I think he gets two starts. You think two? Yeah. I think he gets all four. I, I you think, think he I gets think, all four? I think he gets all four. I think you might see DeSmith against Ottawa, but I think you see Murray in the other three. I think you definitely, I mean, you definitely throw Murray against Tampa. I think you throw Murray against a hot Sabres team. And, you know, I'd like to think that. <laughs> had to add it. Super hot. <laughs> had, to throw, <laughs> had to throw it in. Super hot. We don't need Connor McDavid. Sabres. We'll take Connor McDavid just to make that clear. I want to make that public that <laughs> Buffalo will certainly take Connor McDavid. Yeah, but I, I think you, I think you get at least three out of these four actually with Murray. Can I throw one more hot question out? Um, that's unrelated to the Penguins. Okay. Um, because we're not gonna have Mario on again before this, obviously. Before December first, does Willie Nylander's rights get traded? No. 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 The, okay. Does he? Sign with the Leafs, get traded to another team, or sit out the year. I think he signs with the Leafs. Signs with the Leafs. Um, I definitely do not think he his rights get traded. I think I think teams have such an incentive to kind of stand up to the players so everyone doesn't start doing it. Um, I definitely don't think his rights get traded. I don't think he reports out, reports at all. Wow, we're all three taking one of the options. I like this. I think he definitely doesn't sit out the year. I think he gets traded. I don't know where. I'm not comfortable guessing that. But By I Buffalo. He, I don't think he's playing in Toronto this year. But I think so, he's in very quickly, because I know we're, we're mostly out of time, but why wouldn't he sit out the year? Well, I mean, I'd not, if, he, if Toronto can make the deal, another team's going to pay him the number he wants. Right. I think he wants to play in Toronto. For that number, yeah. but I also think he'll take it elsewhere. I mean, that's kind of why I, Any, there's a lot of teams he's going to, and then he's an immediate first line. Yeah, oh, I, I, I totally I, the number he wants. I may be just, and this is Kyle Dubas's first try at a big trade. I might just be too accepting of like, oh, you're a professional athlete, you want to win, you know, whatever your yeah. major championship is, and like, if I'm him, I'm sitting there going. This is a team I can is legitimately six a win on. Worth it versus seven and a half. Right. Right, and, and I kind of always err to the side of like I want to win a championship. I'll take, you know, oh sorry, it's only six million instead yeah. of seven. Like, but you can actually go win a championship. Yeah. I that's why I kind of always okay. I wanted it on the record that way. I wanted it on the record, and I like that we now have someone's getting the bragging rights at, at December first. We know that. Um, any additional thoughts for the people before we head out? No, no. Just get ready for a, a Thanksgiving episode of Plus Minus. Thanksgiving episode of Plus Minus. Mario, thanks for coming on dinner. the show. Thanks for coming on the show this week, Mario. Yeah, thanks for yeah, having I'm me. Glad to have you back. I think the people appreciate it as well. Everyone, have a great week. Bye.